Good evening to you. Welcome to SAFM Sports Wrap this evening. It is a Tuesday. I'm Brad Brown, and thanks to the MoneyWeb team. They're back again tomorrow at 6. Half an hour of non-stop sporting action. Big football taking place tonight. Bafana Bafana in action against Ghana in an international friendly at the Moses Mabida Stadium in Durban. We'll chat to Moali in just a moment. Staying with football news, Mamelodi Sundowns just 180 minutes away from gaining that coveted star with Noho Zamalek in the first leg of the 2016 CAF Champions League final at the Lucas Masterpieces Moripe Stadium on Saturday afternoon. Downs defender Sianda Zwane says the team know what's on the line. It's a very, very important game for us as a team. South Africa as a whole and especially the president which he has emphasized that uh, this is one cup he, he really really wants the most so it's very very important that we go out there on Saturday and uh, we win so that's the plan In other domestic football news, Cape Town City have parted ways with Australian midfielder James Brown. On to rugby, the Lions have dominated their say rugby award nominations. The nominations for Coach of the Year, Sijuan Ackerman, up against Brent Janssen van Rensburg from Boerland and Neil Powell from the Springbok Sevens. The Lions are guaranteed the Super Rugby Player of the Year award. The three nominees, Ruan Combrink, Alton Jaintis and Warren Whiteley. They were also nominated as Team of the Year, along with the Springbok Sevens, Toyota Free State Cheaters, and the five nominees for the SA Rugby Player of the Year, Ruan Combrink, Peter Steff, Toy Ibn Etzebet, Yaku Creel, and Warren Whiteley. Meanwhile, Springbok utility back Johan Gersen has been named as the best player in the French Top 14 for the 2015-2016 season. On to cricket, Mignon Dupree top scored with 80 as the Proteas woman beat their New Zealand counterparts by four wickets in Kimberley to claim the second ODI. They now level the seven-match series at one apiece. In other international cricket news, Zimbabwe have announced former captain Heath Streak as uh, the country's new head coach. He succeeds Doug Watmore, who was sacked uh, in June. Earlier today, India downed New Zealand by, 100, oh, by 321 runs to claim the three-match series 3-0. Tennis coming to us from Shanghai this week as well. We'll be joined by Matt Brown a little bit later on in the show. And finally, Tiger Woods has uh, put his return to golf on hold from this week's Safeway Open. He cited concerns about the state of his game. Australian Adam Scott has picked Mark Leishman to partner him at next month's World of Golf after Jason Day pulled out with the back injury. Coming up next, we'll chat to Mawali. SAFM Sports Wrap. Big football to look forward to here in South Africa this evening. Bafana Bafana in action against Ghana. It is an international friendly, but uh, things always great when we're playing the Ghanaians. And uh, it's all taking place at the Moses Mabila Stadium down in Durban. Mo Ali joins us now. Mo, uh, a great opportunity for Sheikh Mashaba to try out uh, some of his other players in the squad. He's made some big changes for this evening from the team that did duty this weekend. Absolutely. Uh, yes, uh, only four players remain uh, from the side that started on uh, Saturday evening against Burkina Faso. So it's only uh, the captain, Tulani Shlatswayo, Tabo Matlaba, Dean Furman and uh, Elazar Rogers. So uh, Itumal Kune, for example, is on the bench uh, this evening, as well as Ramashu Mpashlele, Tulani Serrero. But I think, you know, it's a good opportunity to look at the likes of uh, Abu Bakr Mubara and uh, Ayanda Patosi, who's been uh, at loggerheads with uh, Sheikh Mashaba in the past, May uh, Mashlang as well as, as, as spurned a few call-ups. So it's good to, to have a look at, at those players who are playing their football in Europe. May Mashlango now playing in uh, Romania. And uh, Sibusiso Vilakazi is getting a run as well. Of course, uh, he's not eligible to play for Mamelodi Sundowns uh, in the uh, 
CONCACAF Champions League because of his late registration. So I think, you know, Sheikh Mashaba has obviously got one eye on that uh, game against Senegal in early November and uh, what a vital game that's going to be. And, uh, you know, he's probably just looking at, at whatever options he may have and uh, particularly in, in midfield with the likes of Patosi and uh, May Mashlangu up uh, in midfield and uh, Vilakazi up front. You, you mentioned uh, a couple of players who, who have been at loggerheads with the coach. It is a friendly, so uh, from a result perspective, I mean, you can't read too much into it, particularly if you look at the history between Ghana and South Africa. Uh, South Africa have been pretty good, but most of the games we've played have been friendlies. But for the players, from an individual perspective, this is a great opportunity to, to really show the coach what they can do and put their hand up and say, hey, listen, choose me. Exactly. But, uh, you know, having said that, uh, Sheikh Mashaba has actually got a very, very good record as uh, coach of South Africa. He's uh, unbeaten in his last 11 games, although three of those were crucial draws at home in the Nations Cup qualifiers, which uh, prevented us from qualifying. And uh, South Africa have actually uh, won most of their games against uh, Ghana. They won uh, six of, of the year, or five of the ten that they've played. Uh, but crucially, uh, the three that wins that Ghana have got have all come in competitive games in World Cup qualifiers and the Nations Cup uh, final, uh, finals last uh, or in uh, 2015. So, uh, you know, I think Sheikh Mashaba certainly would want to keep the momentum going in terms of, uh, you know, not losing at home. But uh, at the same time, uh, you know, uh, look at the performances of those players who didn't get a run. Uh, in that game against uh, Burkina Faso. And it also makes sense, I suppose, because you bring the likes of uh, Patosi and uh, Maima Shlangu all the way from Europe, but you've, you've got to give them a run, um, you know, to make their trip worthwhile. And I think it's, it's a great opportunity as well for a player like Opaman Yisa, who's been uh, missing in action for most of last season due to injury, uh, to show the coach what he can do. So I think it's a, it's a, it's a good opportunity, and you don't get uh, many better opponents in Africa than uh, Ghana, the four-time champions, and have been to the last the World Cup as well. And even for, for, for Ghana as well and their coach um, Avram Grant he's under a bit of pressure as well there's uh, been a bit of politics involved in uh, the Ghanaian setup um, he's also been criticised for not spending enough time in Ghana spending too much of his time in Europe uh, there have been financial issues as well so for, for Ghana they've got a massive game coming up next as well against Egypt in Cairo so uh, you know for both uh, coaches and for both teams uh, tonight's game is actually very important now, I wanted to ask you about the Ghanaians. Do we, do we know much about the team that they're fielding tonight? Is it a strong outfit, or is it a case of, of uh, Evan Grant trying a couple of things before that crucial clash? Well, they've got a few players uh, injured, but I don't think they're really injured in the sense that they can't play. It's mainly a case of uh, appeasing the European-based uh, uh, clubs. Uh, you think of the likes of uh, Jonathan Mensah. You think of Afrere Kwai, who plays for Torino. Um, you know, so, so those, those players have gone back. Uh, uh, Jeffrey Schlipp, who plays for, for Leicester, has also been cut from the squad. So I think it's just a case of appeasing the uh, European-based clubs of, of the players. But uh, they've still got a pretty strong squad. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how Edwin Jima, who, who, of course, plays for Orlando Pirates, fares against the players he would know very well. And, uh, South Africans would know... Um, uh, the, the striker um, Asamoah Jan very well as well you know from his exploits at the World Cup so Ghana would still field a, a very strong team and uh, as, as I mentioned you know for, for the players who will be playing this evening uh, it's, it's a much case of, of them as well trying to impress Avram Grant uh, you know particularly ahead of that uh, vital game against Egypt in, in November It's going to be a fascinating clash uh, Moses Mabita Stadium always uh, a wonderful spectacle and uh, that match kicks off 7 o'clock we'll have live crossings here on SAFM make sure you stay tuned throughout the evening for the latest from Durban Moali thank you very much for that enjoy the footy tonight and we'll chat soon Always a pleasure watching Ghana Brad. 
This is Sport on SAFM, every supporter's greatest resource. Well, there's one more one-day international left in this five-match series against Australia, and what a series it has been. The Proteas go into this final one in Cape Town tomorrow, 4-0 up with uh, a very rare opportunity to whitewash an Australian side in a series. Uh, I think uh, it's phenomenal. They've played really, really well, and we join now by former Proteas quick bowler, Andre Nell. Andre, how brilliant has this series been? The Proteas, uh, just, uh, I love watching the Aussies lose. Don't you and the Proteas have, have been brilliant? How's it, bad? Yeah, no, it's, it's awesome to watch, especially if you played against the Australians, all the abuse and stick they gave you when you played it. It's awesome to see that we can turn the roles now and make them um, feel so bad and might be the series on a whitewash. It's um, very exciting and, and pleasing to watch. Andre, let's be honest, it, it's not the best Australian side that uh, have ever travelled to South Africa. Uh, they are number one in the world, so you can't take that away from them. But particularly from a, a bowling perspective, it, it's, it's a very thin Australian bowling attack and, and they've been shown up in this series. Um, it's, it's a very good point, but I think it's they're also going into that transition phase. We went to for a stage where they're looking for some fast bowlers and rebuilding a, a side that um, could dominate uh, world, uh, world cricket again. Yes, they are number one, but it's a very average bowling attack with all similar. That no one really expressed. They got decent skills, but especially on our conditions and Australian conditions, you need someone with real pace that they don't have. It doesn't um, set in the, the batting attack at all. So, yeah, it's an average bowling attack, but don't underestimate the Australians. They always come back stronger than a rebuilding phase, and probably next year there's two or three guys will come through again and uh, tear us apart uh, in the future, but hopefully not too soon. <laughs> yeah, we like this. Andre, you, you, <laughs> yeah. mentioned, you mentioned not much variety, and I think that's probably been one of the big differences between the two teams. The South African bowling attack right now, there's tons of variety. I mean, we've got guys who can bowl really quickly. We've got left armers uh, from a spin perspective, lots of variety there too. And that bows really well for the Proteas. As much as the Australians have been average, I think the Proteas have played better than they have for, for a while. Yeah, it's a very, very good point. We've got a good variety. There's guys that, that's not playing, that come in and performs like Carl Abbott did this week. Um, he came in, he hasn't played for a while and performed unbelievably. And uh, it seems like everybody is so hungry to, to do well and perform for South Africa. And, and it's pretty exciting to see. Sometimes we haven't been bowling really well. Our skills and execution of our plans and skills weren't good enough. But this year so far, the guys have executed their skills brilliantly. They, they stuck to the plans, they had clear plans, uh, and it's, it's really good to see that the guys are, are executing their skills so well uh, in the series so far. I know you mentioned guys like Kyle Abbott, particularly in the last uh, match where there was a bit of change of personnel, but I think that's also been one of the positives from the batting front. Uh, and, and let's not forget that uh, A.B. de Villiers hasn't been playing the series, so he's, he's uh, without a doubt probably the first player that you would pick if he's fit. Uh, and, and there's been one or two players in the, the batting lineup who, who might not necessarily make the team 100 times or, or 10 out of 10 times. So it just bodes well for, for the depth of South African cricket, but the batters are really coming to the party too. Quinton de Kock up front, who, who's batted well with Riley Rousseau, and he batted well with Hash the other night as well. But it's just looking really good, solid up front, and that allows the bowlers to play with a lot of freedom too. Yeah, I think it's very exciting. It's good to see Riley Rousseau performing. Uh, Quinton de Kock has turned the corner. He, he's performing consistently, and that's where he sometimes uh, let himself down. Um, but it, it's exciting stuff, but we mustn't get fooled. Yes, you're playing good cricket, and 
It's been to see an exciting and guys are performing well in international cricket. But it's an average Australian side and we must be aware of that and we must keep on performing and improving. So when we play against better Australian sides or better sides, we'll still perform and do that well. Um, it's brilliant to see that we are doing so well and uh, it's always nice to beat the Australians and give them a club. But we must understand it. it's an average side and we must keep on performing and keep on building on all these beautiful things happening at the moment in the Assassin's side. One thing the Proteas have struggled with over many years is that killer instinct and, and really just going for the jugular. They got the opportunity to go 5-0 up in the, the series. It, the, the opportunity to whitewash an Australian side doesn't come along every day. Do you think they're going to do it tomorrow? Um, I think so. The hunger to repay all those... Uh, well, I was plenty of time to say that the whitewash from us when they do it here or we do it there. Over there, it's a brave opportunity to get one back on them when they did this to us in the past. So I think they will do it. I think the guys are hungry and they, you can see the way they um wanting to perform. And it's also, you want to keep the momentum going as long as possible. When you're performing well and playing well, you don't want the, a chance to, to let that go and keep it going as long as possible. So I really think they do it and I really hope they do it. And, It'll be quite nice for us to break if we cut the Australians uh, 5-0 in our, in our own un- un- country. Yeah, absolutely, especially with us heading over there for a test series in the not-too-distant future. And then, just finally, Andre, uh, you, you're still involved at Easton's. I believe you guys had a, an incredible match on the weekend. Tell us a little bit about uh, that special innings. Yeah, it's a burnt effort. Um, we were chasing 286, and we were about probably 191 for six and a bit of trouble uh, needing about 10 over, 11 over from the last 12 overs and Matthew Arnold um, uh, got in and he, he played an unbelievable knock he scored 18, about 53 balls where the, the other guys just get to end up and gave him the strike and he, he took us to victory where we needed about 24 for the last 2 overs and we won with uh, 4 balls to spare so it was an unbelievable knock with um, uh coming from nowhere to win, so it's a brilliant result for us, and it's a good start for our season, and hopefully we can keep it going and the momentum going as long as possible. Brilliant stuff, Andre. Now, enjoy the cricket tomorrow, and uh, yeah, congratulations on that impressive win. I was following it online, and uh, it looked incredible. So well done, and we look forward to catching up again soon. Thanks so much, Dad, and keep on. You're listening to Sport on SAFM, the next best thing to being at the game. This is South Africa's news and information leader. I'm Brad Brown, and uh, following this last weekend's uh, disappointment by the Springboks, I think uh, even though we don't really want to talk about it, I think it's important that we do unpack uh, what happened, the massacre at Kings Park. We join now by Tank Lanning. Tank, uh, I think it would have been a slightly different conversation if we had this on Saturday night, but gee, what a disappointing performance from the box. Uh, disappointing indeed. Uh, um, you know, it's, it's, it's difficult to, to know where to start. Uh, um, I mean, it's simple enough, I think, to, to talk about what happened between the white lines and you know, and other things that go wrong. But you know, as as a few people have pointed out prior to the game and post the game, there's a couple of structural issues, you know, which certainly aren't helping things. And I just, and that, that's why I say it's difficult to know where to start. I mean, do you start structurally, or do you try and mend the things that you've got some sort of control over? Yeah, it, it's interesting, Tank, and uh, I mean, that scoreline, 57-15, at, at halftime, e- even though we didn't play well at, up to the break, I thought, gee, we're still in with a shot, but I mean, it just blew out in that second half, and, and the thing that disturbed me the most was there was just no passion from the, the players in green and gold on the field. It was almost like they didn't want to be there. 
Yeah, I mean, I mean that's a that's a very difficult thing to swallow. I must say, you know, it's difficult to to fathom a, a South African rugby player um, not not giving his best. But you know, they're just so blown out the water at, 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 at you know at one stage where you know, they probably just wanted to, they wanted Durban to, to to open up a hole and swallow them swallow them alive. But I mean, I agree with you, Ben. I mean, there were, there were moments in the, in the in the first half where the All Blacks really looked a bit rattled. The, the, the box had the, the the game plan spot on. The team wasn't great from 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 one but every now and then he got one right. And you know, where they got the breakout try was Jean de Jong missed that tackle, and they they went 90 meters down the left hand side of the of the field. I mean, that was basically the best kick of the day. And on a normal day, it would have been a South African scrum five meters out from the All Black line. But <laughs> it was anything but normal on Saturday. The uh, young Mr. Tackle, 90 minutes down the, the, the left side of the field, and it was game over. Tank, I think also one of the things that really concerns me is that, and it's not just this Saturday's game, it was the same against Australia the previous week, is we, we're just not looking threatening with ball in hand. I mean, we, we're struggling to get our, uh, our hands on the ball, but when we do get it, we just don't look like we could score a try. And, and, and that scoreline, 57-15, I think it was nine tries to nil. That That is, in any language, an absolute hiding. Yeah, look, it's 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 a crisis. It's a, it's a disaster. I mean, there, there probably aren't enough descriptive words in the, in the English, English language to do it justice. And I think, you know, you spot on. The, the, the box just looked disorganized with ball in hand. But probably more worrying, you said, disorganized, you know, on defense. And I think it's almost, uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, Alistair is sure that he took a, a, a hospital pass of, of note. But um, I, I just think, you know, he's perhaps been under pressure to try and implement a ball in hand, heads up, lines kind of game, which he says wouldn't work at test uh, level. Yet he's, he's picked a whole lot of lines players and try to implement a non lions type game. And I'm, I'm, I'm generalizing in terms of Lions, because lots of players, you know, the old black way is heads up, ball in hand. And, and perhaps, you know, perhaps we need to walk before we can, can run. And, you know, we chased Hanukkah out of town for not, for not taking it to the next level. But uh, I just think we've regressed so much now that we almost need to, to start from the beginning again. I was going to ask, where to now? There's obviously an end-of-year tour that's coming up uh, where we are facing England, second, number two in the world, uh, and uh, I think they're about the only team on the planet at the moment that could give the All Blacks a run for their money. It, it's going to be hard. We're also playing a barbarian side. Uh, the barbarians are also uh, often very dangerous, some of the biggest names in world rugby. Uh, a month to go, practically, till the start of that tour. Is a month enough? I mean, you talk about baby steps and, and starting from scratch. Where to from here? Yeah, plus we, we lose 14 players for whatever reason. You know, um, most of them too, because it's, uh, you know, they, they go to the overseas club. So it's going to be a, a terribly green squad. Um, and that's what I mean by a little bit of a hospital for, for Alistair. You know, like people are, the players are leaving in drugs. We haven't made up our mind as to whether we do or don't pick overseas players. We, we're kind of in no man's land on, on, on so many fronts. But, but if, if I was Alistair, you know, I, I think, um, what you've got to do is go green and go big. You know, pick the youngsters. <laughs> get around Janssen van Rensburg. Let's, you know, let's, let's, let's play Creole. Let's, you know, let's blood a few youngsters and, and, and let's actually try and play a, a, a more sort of expansive game. Like, let's, let's not get caught between A and B. Let's pick an A or a B 
and go for it. I have a feeling he'll probably pick B, which is probably more a defensive, springbok orientated tradi- traditional game. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I think we almost missed that boat. Let's, let's pick a couple of youngsters. Let's, um, let's, let's go out and be brave. And, and let's play a, a, like a really heads up, ball in hand game and try and run people off their feet. Because, I mean, quite clearly, the physical dominance isn't happening. Tank, you, you're a passionate South African fan. Uh, I mean, you, you've played the game. So, so am I. I also played the game. What, what advice could you give to the South African fans who, who maybe weren't in the stadium on Saturday but watched that game and, and, and we're thinking to ourselves, what just happened? Is, is it a case of just being patient? It'll come right? Uh, I, I'm hoping that's the case, but uh, not, too, not too optimistic about it. Yeah, but uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not a revolutionary cut. Um, but I, I just think the time has come for radical change. And, you know, structurally we need radical change, but that, uh, you know, the, the term Turkey is voting for Christmas in terms of, you know, the, the General Council, I'm, I'm sorry, uh, is all of the, the South African provincial presidents. You know, voting themselves out of a job is never going to happen. So structurally the Constitution needs to change. And, you know, that is either going to be done by every single South African becoming part of a club and then, and then getting themselves into the structure which isn't going to happen. So I, I, I think, you know, we almost need some sort of revolution where, and I think fans must be part of it, you know, uh, you know, proactively uh, and, and respectfully. But we, you know, we need to demand change. Um, I think sponsors should be doing exactly the same thing. And we have to find a way to, to implement structural change within SA Rugby and, and SARU so that it gets more professionally run. Um, we trim down the excess baggage, which is clearly pulling us back, and we focus on a, on a, on a, tightly, a more tightly defined set of players in a much more professional environment. But for that, you know, the, 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 the constitution of SRB has to change, and it's just, it seems impossible. So I think, I, I think we need a revolution of sorts. People must start demanding big change. You know, if we keep going to games and keep filling stadiums and keep um, watching games on TV, what's going to change? Yeah, sad times indeed. Big questions do need to be asked, and we'll wait and see what happens. Uh, it's, I think, uh, dark days for Springbok Rugby, and hopefully we can come out of them soon, because uh, I think everyone wants to see the box back at the top of the world where they do belong. Tank Lanning, thank you so much for your time once again here on SAFM. If you want to find out more about Tank and his musings, frontrowgrunt.co.za is the website to get to. Tank, thanks for your time tonight. Much appreciated. We look forward to catching up again soon, hopefully under happier circumstances. Hopefully indeed. Well, it's great to chat, that. SAFM brings you live, interactive, topical news from current affairs, global warming debates, women's issues, to interviews with top literary connoisseurs. To join our conversations, visit our website on safm.co.za. Follow us on Twitter at SAFM Radio or simply like our Facebook page, SAFM Radio. SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. Every word in our constitution signifies a victory against inequality. against inequality. So never underestimate the power of those words. Instead, choose to understand them. Section 11 of the Bill of Rights states that everyone has inherent dignity and the right to have their dignity respected and protected. protected. SAFM. Seize your power. Know your rights. This is a message from South Africa's news and information leader. SAFM Sports Wrap. 
You're listening to SAFM Sports Wrap and uh, tennis this week coming to us from Shanghai in China. The Shanghai Masters. It wasn't a good day for South Africa's Kevin Anderson today. He unfortunately got uh, knocked out straight sets. We join now by Matt Brown, who is there. Matt, uh, disappointing for Anderson. He would have uh, liked to have gone further this week. Yeah, he would have, and he's starting to to get back to um, you know some sort of form. He had a long, long injury layoff, and and didn't get some results initially when coming when coming back a year ago. He was ranked uh, top ten in the world. He broke through into the top ten. Now he's currently ranked forty in the world, and uh, won't really improve on that this week after losing in the second round uh, to uh, Monfils. You got to remember, Monfils is the sixth seed. He is a, a very, very talented player. Um, you know, ranked eighth in the world uh, and uh, served superbly today and uh, 7 6, six three, the scoreline. Uh, played first set and I think in these sort of matches Anderson was also serving pretty well. He's got a big big game as well, big forehand. Uh, you know, a tiebreaker, the first set can often, in a best of three set match, it just gives you that that uh, momentum and, uh, and Monfils got that and got the confidence from it to go through uh, and reach the uh, third round. Yeah, absolutely. It wasn't the best of days for Seas, although Monfils got through. We lost a couple today as well, uh, and I think particularly David Ferrer, I think that was a, uh, was a big one. He, he would have also liked to have stuck around for, for a bit longer this week. Yeah, David Ferrer seeded 10th, uh, losing in a really tight match, um, you know, 7-6, 4-6, 7-6 to his compatriot Feliciano Lopez. Uh, so uh, one Spaniard going through, but Ferrer going out. And, you know, Ferrer, uh, fair to say, I think, in the twilight of his career, he never really goes away, but for so long he was in that top sort of five, six, seven players in the world and now, you know, he is now outside the top ten, currently ranked 13 and, uh, you know, going on 34, 35, uh, it's hard to see with him, you know, perhaps breaking back into the top ten, particularly with the young guns that are coming through and, and you know, they talk about the next-gen players, we saw Alexander Zverev take down the eighth seed Marin Cilic tonight 3-6-6-3-6-2 and, and Zverev is a 21-year-old German who is uh, going, you know, going places and it won't be long before he's in the top ten yeah, without a doubt, someone who got through fairly comfortably was uh, number one seed, uh, world number one, Novak Djokovic. Yeah, Novak Djokovic's first match, uh, Brad, since uh, the U.S. Open, since that defeat to Stan Wawrinka at the U.S. Open. He took a bit of time off um, over the last month, uh, didn't defend his title in Beijing. Uh, he's had a change of, of outlook, really, on life in the last few months since winning the French Open, which was the one slam to elude him. He lost early at Wimbledon. Uh, then he had that first-round shock at the Olympics, losing to Del Potro, and then, of course, not winning the uh, U.S. Open. So he's had a, th- a few big defeats lately, and, and he's changed his sort of outlook, his perspective doesn't now see tennis as the number one priority in his life while it's still important uh, chasing Roger Federer's 17 Grand Slam is no longer you know, a major focus for him to, he, he's thinking more of things outside of tennis, he's also his family he's a dad, um, and it's quite interesting, so he's not the same driven Novak Djokovic, being ranked number one doesn't appear to be you know, the thing that motivates him anymore so is that going to correspond to uh, you know uh, maybe a guy's a bit more relaxed and still gets the results I think the pressure of trying of having to win every match as as he sort of played himself under over the last two or three years um, you know has probably got to him and uh, and I think we might well see you know uh, I I won't say he'll he'll retire anytime soon but I'm just starting to think that maybe you know he certainly won't go as long as someone like Roger Federer has.
Yeah, I mean, it's one thing staying at the top of your game physically for that long, but to stay there mentally must be must be draining. Someone who who, who blows hot and cold, and, and he seems to be playing quite well at the moment, is Joel Wilfred Tsonga. He, he advanced as well. He's ninth seed in, in Shanghai this week. Straight sets uh, for him. Yeah, over Janko Tipsarovic, uh, another one of the Serbian players, and and uh, that's a good result for uh, Songa. He is, yeah, you're right about him being hot and cold. Uh, he set up a match now with uh, Alexander uh, Zverev, and that will be an absolute cracker in a couple of days' time. But Songa, you know, always dangerous. He's got weapons. He's got a huge serve. He's got big forehand too, and, and he can really overpower you. And that will be, you know, a couple of big hitters uh, in that match in a couple of days' time. But uh, yeah, Songa, uh, he's all right. His, his compared Another Frenchman, Gasquet, another one of the seeded players, losing. But he did lose to Gregor Dimitrov, who, who really is just outside the seeds. Uh, you know, a guy who should be ranked in the top 20, but, but isn't at the moment. Uh, Gasquet uh, losing to Dimitrov in straight sets today. And, and uh, so the 14th seed has also uh, bit in the dust. You mentioned Tonga too. He's playing doubles tomorrow, and he's uh, playing South Africa's Raven Class and Rajiv Ram. Uh, that's one that the, the fifth seed should should get through. But uh, stranger things have happened in, in the world of doubles too. Well, yeah, the thing about doubles too is that you get you know a lot of good singles players uh, teeing it up um, you know in doubles occasionally, especially at these at these Masters 1000 events. So although although Ram and Klassen are seeded fifth, you've got to look at who Songer is playing with. He's playing with Nenad Zimunyac, who has been one of the top players in doubles for for a long, long time. So uh, you know it's a dangerous pairing for the fifth seed. So no guarantee, but uh, certainly uh, you know Klassen uh, and Ram, they've been in good form. We'll be hoping that they can uh, you know, get through that and then face probably the Bryan brothers in the uh, third round. Well, as South Africans, we're hoping they can stick around. With Kevin Anderson out, we'd uh, love to have someone uh, late on this week to talk about in Shanghai. Matt, thank you very much for your time today. Uh, get some sleep. I know it's late where you are, and we look forward to catching up again later on this week. Thanks for your time, mate. Thanks, Brad. SAFM Sports Wrap. And that's it for Sports Wrap this evening. Thank you so much for listening. And a big shout-out to Shrey Pyrrhonik, who's uh, listening in the UK, tweeted us. Uh, thank you very much. Don't forget you can be in touch with SAFM Radio on various social media platforms. And coming up on the other side of 7 o'clock, it is the Talk Shop with Malayo. Uh, right now, though, it's time for your news. Greg Coase has that from myself, Brad Brown, and my producer, Siobhan Teddy. Thank you so much for listening. It is 7 o'clock.